Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Alana Gurr is a musician, singer, and songwriter who is based in her hometown of Guelph, Ontario. She and her band, The Greatest State, have just released a new EP on Missed Connection Records. It's called Stand Still, and it has prompted Gurr to play a few shows over the coming months. Alana and I met at the CFRU studios in Guelph recently, where we discussed things like her band, Cupcake Duct Tape, and Steph Yates, but not the band Esther Gray. Not at all. Alana's gig as a piano tuner came up, and uh, she talked about what it's like dealing with people who want their pianos tuned. The lure of St. John's Newfoundland, misogyny in music scenes, and much more. Sponsored by Pete's Trocadero, The Bookshelf, and Planet Bean Coffee, this is Alana Gurr on the 326th episode of Creative Control with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Hi, Alana. How are you? I'm well, thank you. How are you doing? I'm well. I'm well. Thank you for being back on the show. I'm happy to be here. I think the last time you were on, we were talking about your band, Esther Gray. Is that probably right? No, not Esther Gray. Cupcake Duct Tape with Esther Gray. Steph. Yes. (laughs) Why did I say that? It's okay. I feel like I always get Steph. I know Steph so well. (laughs) You know Steph so well. But because she named their band after a person and then I'm just trying to talk to people I get it confused in my head I think I did it live once when I was introducing them That's okay. I, you know what actually when Steph and I were touring together and I was spending so much time with her that someone it was in Newfoundland introduced himself and they were like hi I'm Mike and I said oh hi I'm Steph <laughs> and I was standing right beside Steph and you, <laughs> just like what you just introduced yourself as me <laughs> so Steph has the Steph is this mysterious identity in some yes. ways and, and she becomes Esther Gray she becomes Alana Gurr somehow <laughs> and uh, she needs to find herself yeah. so that we can figure out who she is yeah no, it's not no. our problem how is Steph she seems well good yeah. good we haven't been playing with cupcake duct tape for a bit we've been taking a bit of a 
hiatus for each of us to kind of work on our own respective bands. But yeah, I'm looking forward to starting Cupcake Duct Tape up again. Is it just because uh, it's kind of a, a it's an assertive sound? It's a it's a it's a it's. <laughs> I know it started kind of as a way. I remember the last time Steph was saying she was trying to motivate you to kind of assert yourself in in, in some ways and sound yeah. what was it brattier angrier all of those things all yeah. of those Bratty things was right. like the main kind of objective right. in that and i'm sure my mom could say elsewise <laughs> otherwise but i have a hard time <laughs> doing that now as an adult um but it was a good exercise to like get myself to be louder because i'm generally i talk very quiet yeah. but um, I think it kind of, I, now that I'm playing my own music and back with my own band, I think it ruined my voice a little bit. <laughs> like, I can't hit some of the notes. Really? That, and I think it was fun, but I have to, I had to take a break from yelling so much a bit. And I can imagine how hard it is for people who are yelling all the time in wow. their music. So it actually had a profound physical impact <laughs> yeah. on you, a visceral impact. I wow. Really, I really went for it, I think. Yeah. You did, yeah. <laughs> Anytime I saw it, you yeah. were going for it, and you're right. You, you yeah. need a, a break because your own pursuits are different. Yes. They're quieter on yes. some levels. <laughs> some level, uh, and your the, the EP that you just put out is great. Thank you. And you made it with Andy McGuffin. I did, yeah. You've so worked with him before? We've, we, um, our last album we recorded with, um, the Roma- Ian Romano oh, and yes. Dana Romano um, and then we mastered it with Andy McGoffin okay. um, at his place in Preston yeah the House of Miracles that's yeah. where I'm from Cambridge He's uh, Preston is a part of Cambridge Ontario okay uh, where, uh, it's, I know it mostly because I used to play minor hockey there okay for some reason my we said they set me up in uh, you know what it was probably cheaper yeah. it was probably cheaper than Galt <laughs> or Hespler which are the other uh, areas in Cambridge and my, my parents set me up in Preston so we would that's my main memory of oh and also uh, Riverside Park had uh, did you go to the park it's right by the House of Miracles in Preston it's like a big park it's huge I didn't know oh it's a lovely park yeah. Riverside There's I know we have a Riverside in Guelph yeah. Uh, there's also a Riverside in, in Cambridge. Okay. And it's where they used to do all the fireworks for Canada Day and whatever else. Oh, that'd be nice. So yeah. we would go down to Riverside Park in Preston, and uh, that's my main memories of it. Did you like that? Andy's place is kind of in a... It's like downtown Preston. So it's downtown Preston, which is kind of a weird place because it's got all this... They, there's beautiful buildings there, but yeah. it's just all... like n- There's nothing in... The, a lot of the stores yeah. are closed down. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's got this, I think it's an old scout building or like yeah. boy scout or something. And yeah. it's a stone space that has like a fireplace and beautiful wood. So when we're there, we kind of just spend the whole time in a cave. Right. It's there. dark. Yeah. It's a little dark. There's not a lot of daylight. And yeah, I've been in there as well. Yeah. But he's a great guy to work with. Yeah. And he's, uh, you know, I actually, this is interesting because I ran into him with my son last week okay. on the street. And I haven't seen Andy in a while. And I have a history with Andy. I, I I made a record with Andy in an old band of mine, and we've been friends for almost 20 years, I guess now. Mm-hmm. And uh, anyway, I hadn't seen him in a while, and I, I ran into him on on uh, on Cardin Street, and he said, uh, you know what I'm doing now is I'm tuning pianos. I saw, yeah. And uh, if you can spread the word about that, <laughs> that would be great, because I don't think a lot of people, people know him as a recording engineer. He got into mastering records, uh, as, as you were saying. Yeah. You worked with him on that. 
initially, and now he's tuning pianos. And I thought immediately of you, <laughs> Alana Gerb, because you are known around town as a piano tuner yourself. Yes. Yeah. So, I, I've actually, like, Andy and I have had a bunch of conversations about pianos because he's really into the restoration process. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's built three, I think, at his own studio, Grand Pianos Redone Them. And I've done one and a half. You've re- you've built you've restored a piano. Yeah. Wow. So I really love that part of it, but I don't have the shop space available. I did it at my parents in my parents' dining room. I rebuilt a grand piano um, over the winter and then resold it um, and fix up another one. So for me, I don't have the space for him. It's perfect because he's got the room and mm-hmm. and and really loves getting into it. So it's nice to have someone nearby that I can talk to about. Um, I've borrowed tools, and he's borrowed yeah. tools. So, so the the obviously a major aspect of uh, restoring a piano would be the the tuning part. But that that other stuff that you say, like, do you have a background in? Like, I don't want to. I, I actually don't know. You mentioned you had to borrow tools. Like, what is the what is the kind of vocational background you would need yeah. to restore a piano? Like, do you need uh, some kind of engineering uh, skill? Do you need, uh, I don't know, carpentry? What is it? Like, what do you, because there's some wood in there and there's some, there's lots of components to a piano that I can't even articulate to you because yeah. I don't know enough about it. Like, would you have well, that background? You can come from different, like, I mean, traditionally it would have been piano restoration and um, would have been something that you would have, learn from your father or done um, an apprenticeship in and yeah. not many Oh, there's people. an actual, it's a specialty. Like a, you would you would yeah. be a piano res- restoration artist. A, a technician, yeah. Technician. We'll call it that. Okay. Um, but I chose the route of going to school because I couldn't find anyone um, c- that could take me on. It's a lot of work and, yeah. and money. So um, there's a program at Western University. So I, it was... Uh, 10 months, like 8 to 5 every day, um, learning about the rebuilding process and then tuning afterwards. So we did a lot of woodwork, a lot of um, you basically have to take like the plate out, you clean it up and then you start you restring everything, you put in new bridges, they're called. Strings, they have the strings as well. The strings is the hardest part. Right. Because it's a tension based thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so you can ha- I've had strings on a grand piano snap when I'm tuning it and then just hit the wall beside me. It's pretty scary, but I can't, you can't really get hurt, but You can't really you could probably get hurt. You could probably get hurt. They normally snap the other way. The other way. You're tuning from the front? From the front on a grand piano. Yeah, yeah, yeah like by you're tuning by the keys. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So it's just they loud. It's just scary. <laughs> that sounds scary. I mean, yeah. a guitar string can whack you in the eye if yeah. you're not careful as well. So, okay. I mean, this is a. I'm surprised that you, you know, the West Western University is in London, Ontario. Mm-hmm. That's where you went for this. Yes, I did. Yeah. And it was a well attended program. Um, it's you have a ve- lot of fellow colleague student things. It's very small. Yeah. I I did my undergrad at Western, and I had never heard of it. Um, it's very. It's basically in the basement of the music department. Right. And it's run by what well, the time I went there the head technician for the Royal Conservatory in Toronto. Right. Um, his name's Don Stevenson. And he's, an aw- he's an awesome man, but he is ve- very much a character, had like long white hair going out and like kind of googly-eyed glasses <laughs> and stuff and really um, confident, um, a good person, but he... Do you like, point this out because 
he comes from another era kind of thing. Oh, he seems like it. Yeah, but like a Doc Brown yeah. from Back to the Future. Like after I graduated, I went back and visited him just to say how I was, like check in and say hi. And we ended up having scotch in his office. And <laughs> Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. He brought yeah. out some cheese and things like that. That kind of guy. Yeah. Okay, so he's a bit of a character. Yeah. Do you have to be kind of a character to get into piano tuning, piano restoration? Because, I mean, we I live in so. a... You know, we live in this digital age. Yeah. Uh, on some level, some of these things, uh, some of these skill sets are, I don't want to say the skill sets are being phased out, but some of the, you know, people today would be like, I'm fine with a digital or electric piano. You know yeah. what I mean? But is there a resurgence in interest in this or has it never subsided? Because I think there was a mistake that a lot of people made about vinyl records where a lot of people would say, oh, you know, that form is dead. Like, that medium is dead. And it turned out that wasn't true. I mean, the numbers, sales had decreased on some level, but the medium has been around forever. Mm -hmm. Is something, is there some similar parallel for an analog instrument like a piano? I think so. I think, um, well, on the question of, you know, the kind of people that would take a program like that, I found that it was either... Myself, who's very much like a romantic and likes mm-hmm. older things, or someone who there's quite a lot of people in the program who are very religious and they oh. came from estates and they work for churches. Oh, so I hadn't even thought kind of, that. of two different sides huh. to that. And then, and and I'm pretty busy. Like I'm there's three, there's two. This other is your tuners. main gig, right? Yeah, you tune pianos. So everyone, I mean, everyone has a piano that their aunt gave them or their grandma or, and then a lot of younger people are wanting them now too. I have yeah. a lot of friends who are asking me to find them. So I think people enjoyed digital pianos when it was like an easy thing to be able to have in an apartment, Yeah. but there, you can't really replace the warmth and the sound that a real no. piano has. And, no. and I do have people, I tune by ear, so, um... I don't have perfect pitch. A lot of people ask if that's something that you should have as a tuner, but I think most pianos that are old, you can't tune to perfect pitch anymore. Like you have to work with kind of what you have. So for me, it's good, but I've had people, I've tuned at studios where they need it exactly to be like digital tuning. So you have to use a digital tuner to tune in. I can't do it by ear then, but otherwise most people just want, want it to sound like how the tuner wants it to sound kind of so okay so uh, forgive me and I, no, I, I, I'm fascinated by this and this yeah. is something you do and, and, and it probably informs your, your worldview tuning pianos restoring pianos uh, the fact that you like old things <laughs> just walk me through this for a second sure. for, for, forgive, I'm an idiot like no, I don't know okay. en- enough about pianos I know how to tune a guitar mm-hmm. I know physically what you have to do to tune a guitar you know you've got the got the tuning pegs and you got to figure it out and you, you, you know you do it yeah how do you tune a piano? How do you actually, do you, are you hitting every key? What are you doing? You are, so. You're hitting every key. Every key, more <laughs> than once, because every key, well, in not in the bass, but um, up in the treble, um, every key has three strings. Right. And you have to tune each string to in tune with each other and then in tune with the rest of the piano. Okay. So it's kind of just like put it in like simple terms. Like I start with the, a440 tuning fork. Okay. And I isolate all the strings from each other. And I would tune the middle string on the A key to the tuning fork. Okay. Okay. Um, and and you've 
you've done this before, I'm sure. Like if you're playing two strings on a guitar, you can hear kind of like a wall. Yeah, yeah, sound. yeah. That's right. Yeah. So um, I tune by equal temperament tuning, and if I if you press the A and the F on the piano in the middle register, it should be seven beats per second. So seven wawas. Seven wawas. Okay, you're listening for the wawas. Like wah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um. So I'm listening for the wawas, and then I know that that should be seven. F sharp and A sharp should be 7.5, 8 going up in increments, so it gets just a little bit faster okay, in between okay. those. And then I make sure, there's a few different other measurements, but that's the general idea. And then you make sure the middle octave is perfect, and then you tune everything out by the octave. Right. This is the way I do it. Though. And pianos go out of tune frequently? Um, they... Th- Kind like of with from the usage? seasons. Oh, with the seasons. Yeah, so when like, the humidity changes in your house, it's um, all the tuning pins are are put into the wood uh-huh. block behind it. So when the humidity is changing in your house, it's changing the the wood is moving in the piano and it's turning. I see. Okay. The tuning pins. So you are you so, frequently brought in to tune the same piano over the course of time? There are there is people that I go every year. Every year, which is kind of the ideal, because then if you do it every year, it's not going to go crazy. Oh, out of tune. There's other people who call me and they're like, "My piano hasn't been tuned since 1972. I need it done tonight because my mother-in-law is coming, and <laughs> it's a tuning emergency." A tuning emergency. I get a lot of those. Um, and then there's other people who want it every six months because they play often and they really notice the change. So by so. usage, I mean, you mentioned the humidity and the elements, but if mm-hmm. you're using it enough, it'll go out of tune. Um, yeah, if you're pa- like really pounding on it, it yeah. will m- probably more than... Like if Jerry Lee Lewis in his prime is playing the piano yeah. for nine, ten hours a day, he's probably going to need it tuned. Well, maybe he wouldn't even notice. I don't know. He was a bit of a raucous guy. Yeah. He yeah. might though. He yeah. might have noticed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do you do you go into situations where you're, people are uh, maybe not the most experienced musicians, and you're just like, "Holy crap, this is out of tune." Yes. It happens a lot. Very often. Yes. And are they aware of that? No. And it's it definitely. A, I've definitely learned a lot of. Like I've always worked. Uh, I've always had a second or third job in the service industry, and I thought that you know, my customer service skills would work from that. But sure. having to navigate a conversation with someone in their own home where you know you're right, but they think something else right. is really tricky. Like I don't ever, I'm, I don't know, I'm, I don't ever li- like conflict and you're trying to work. So when someone says, oh, I don't, I've called you in to do this job. I don't think it needs to be done, but someone tell- kind of thing. Why would they then, call you in to tell you, what? Well, like, so it's, if a piano is really out of tune, it needs what's called a pit trace. Oh. Um, is that is that expensive? It's more expensive than right. a normal one. So often people, if they don't use it much, they say, oh, well, we don't need that. But it's kind of defeating the purpose of having uh, me right. in the first place. So I try to give, like, a little bit of an educational perspective when I do it. But it, it is just hard when you're, you're in someone's home. You don't ever want to... S- sound like you know more than them. I imagine uh, the, the, the the vocational parallels between yourself and a, a car mechanic yeah. or any other real expert in their field where someone is just 
they think they know it because they Googled it or whatever. Yeah. You must have to... Do you ever commiserate with people in other fields who who are, who are like... I haven't, but maybe I should. You should yeah. maybe start a little group of people <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> dealing with know. know-it-all client, know-nothing, know-it-all clientele. Yeah. I, I Like I say, I'm, I freely admit I don't know enough about pianos. Like if I had a, an upright or a, a grand piano, I would defer to you. Yeah. I mean, I'm a deferrer. If I don't know something, I am deferential. Okay. I'm like... I don't know enough about this. I think I, I can tell you what I'm noticing, mm-hmm. and I try to identify it, but uh, but I, I like to defer. But I, I, I can see where some people would be like, no, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Have you had an experience where someone is clearly a, an incredible piano player, but they don't have a sense of the, the tuning issues? I've met some really interesting people, and um, there's, yeah. I'd, I'm mostly, like, 80% of the time I'm going in and I'm... Uh, tuning pianos that are more pieces of furniture, to be honest. Right, right. There's um, something that someone has in their living room. Yeah, yeah but yeah. I've, I do do some churches and I've done like stuff for the school board and stuff. So I've gotten to meet different t- levels of players. Sure. Um, I've always wanted to like start up like a weird block because I have so I had some really like <laughs> weird times meeting people, but you know, most of the people are wonderful. It's the same sure. if you're working at a bar, like. All, most of the regulars are great, and then there's one guy who comes in and... Well, you've had this in the service industry, right? too much, yeah. <laughs> right, right. You, you, you deal with uh, probably, uh, what, 70% normal people? Yeah. Normal, like, <laughs> interactions, like, fairly unmemorable, but then you get the 30%. Yeah. I'm just making up stats for now. Is that accurate? Is it mostly, norm- mostly like, ordinary? Yes. But the... Bad always outweighs the good. Yeah, that's what you true. remember when you go home. So that's kind of a frustrating part of working in a bar. At least. Have you been reviewed as a musician? Because I've been, I get feedback every once in a while about yeah. something I'm doing, and I always remember the negative oh, one. Yeah. Har- if someone's a great job, I'm like that. Just kind of, I'm like that. Yeah, thank you, or whatever, quietly, or I might articulate thanks. But the one where someone's like, Ugh, yeah. Always remember that. I don't know if that makes me... I mean, I guess that's an insecurity thing, but I also just remember it because it feels weirdly uh, more honest mm-hmm. than a uh, platitude. Uh, just a, like, you're good. Anyone... That's what you say, no matter... I, I You know, you probably get it uh, when you're playing with bands, too. You come off stage and they're like, great show. Oh, yeah. And everyone says that. And, and I say it. You I say it, too. <laughs> In that environment, you're like, great job. You were trying to be supportive. Yeah. But then the next day, if you read a review of it and someone's like, well, they didn't do this that great, you can be like, well, at least... But is that more honest? Is it more angry? You know what I mean? I mean, you're dealing with people all the time. I feel like the yeah. negative stuff... Why do we... You said it yourself. Like, why do we... Why do we fixate on the negative? Do you have an yeah. insight on that? I, I just, personally, I I have went through something recently where we played a show and um, there was a promoter and when I got there, they, they took me aside and said, just so you know, you only pre-sold this many tickets. Uh, the last show, we sold a lot more. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, I'm going to go have a good show now, I guess, because <laughs> all I'm going to be thinking about is... Oh, no one wanted to come to right, our show. Like right. I don't know. It just, but I that was partly on me too. I mentioned it to my bandmate, and they're like, "Well, don't don't think about that. There is a lot of people here. It was a weird night. People were out of town, um, but I personally always do end up. I'm self conscious. Yeah, no, I, 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 I look at those things. Yeah, I so. do too. And it, we are in a metric based <laughs> yeah. culture, right, where you can see all the plays and the 
and it's frustrating because yeah. you're just like, but I think the thing I made is good. Like, there's nothing wrong with the thing I made, I think. Yeah, and you spent so much time on yeah. it and yeah. money. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you, you said something there where you, you were talking about how you might want to start a blog yeah. about <laughs> your experiences with people, I, I think is what you were mm-hmm. I- indicating there. Does your experience as a as a piano tuner or your experience in the service industry, industry does it inform you as an artist? Does it inform your your songs? My songs are definitely personal. Um, I always tend to, well, with the last album, I was kind of in a place where I was like um, looking at myself in relationships. So that really didn't... Um, personal relationships. Yeah. yeah. What was the last record called? Um like this one, pre- the one that we're putting out now, or no, no, the, the you're you refer- are you talking about the new EP? Are you talking the about the new EP? Yeah. The new EP is about the relationships. They they kind of all are actually. Okay, yeah, that's kind of what I tend to write about. Like romantic interpersonal relationships. Yeah. Okay, you don't necessarily or, or or a relationship with myself, like kind of oh, looking at my own character. Right, which again we talked about with the cupcake duct tape interview. Even with yeah. Steph trying to say like, you need to potentially explore this side of your personality mm-hmm. that's just something you're as an artist you're doing yeah a lot of yeah i just when i hear a song like holy roller yeah i can't help but think of what we were just talking about and i don't know what that song's about necessarily uh specifically yeah. but my impression is it's about someone who thinks they're better than everyone else yeah i mean that's what the that's what the that's one aspect of what uh, uh holy roller means someone who's righteous self-righteous maybe and and thinks that they 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 are the way and the light yeah but um in the context of what we were talking about in terms of people being dickish (laughs) in their (laughs) sense of self compared to you perhaps or others that's immediately what i i thought of of like maybe you out in the world dealing with jackasses yeah pretentious jackasses (laughs) but that's more of a you're saying that's a personal relationship thing, potentially, more than... Um, the songwriting is, but by I do... I definitely take on, like, a lot of other people's emotions, and yeah. so if I have one little instance with someone that maybe wasn't good, it just ruins my whole day. It's, like, oh. it's hard to... I don't know, especially in service industry. Right, and you're out of that now. Uh, no, I still work at... Um, I still work at Royal City Brewery on the weekends, oh, which okay. is an awesome place to work. Like most people who come in there are excited to come in and what's your role there? Drink beer. I I'm front of house. So front of house at a brewery. Yeah, but it's a is it a bar? They have a bar and like a tasting room. Is that where you work? I work there. Yeah, oh, okay. on the weekends. So you're dealing with customers. Yeah, okay. and most people there are like happy to come in because it's kind of a niche fun thing to go do. But I've been working in restaurants since I was like 15, so. It's just, yeah. Just something you do. Yeah. Okay. And as uh, you are, you from Guelph? I am. Yeah. We've. I think we've established this before. You've been you're born and raised. Born and raised. Yeah. And you stayed. I went away for school. Went Western away for five years to London. To London. Yeah. And I lived in Toronto for a few summers with friends. Mm-hmm. Um, but originally, I came back to Guelph. Just, um, I I grew up here, so I knew a lot of music teachers. I thought this would be a good place to start piano tuning right um and was kind of i've on and off really been wanting to move to the east coast like that's oh where i romanticize kind of living nova scotia or um i wanted halifax for a long time and then i thought st john's newfoundland and you've been i've been quite a bit yeah i have family okay there and play music there um 
Have you played the Lanya Vanya thing? I've not. No. Oh, you haven't played that festival. Yeah. Okay, so um, that's sorry. Right. That's my. That's generally my reference point. Yeah. For St. John's because I've, I tend to go almost every year. Yeah. I'd, yeah. I'd love to play it sometime, but I've always ended up going in the fall. Oh, I see. Okay. Um. And your family's there. And I have cousins there. Yeah. yeah. It's lovely. It's beautiful and yeah. it's very um, kind of the pace I like of living. Sometimes. How would you de- How would you like, describe that pace? Um. Well, I, I, what I love about Guelph is like I can walk around, I can see people downtown that I know or like go get coffee and talk to that person. And um, and I find that St. John's is an v- even smaller community, mm-hmm. especially in the winter. At least the way that my cousins have described it is like they have their neighbors over for dinner and stuff like that because you can't really go out yeah. as much. So The elements are pretty harsh yeah. almost all year round, I think. I mean, the, you really from what I can gather from talking to people, like when the sun is out or it's warm, you really relish that time yeah. because it's so rare. Yeah. So the elemental aspect doesn't frighten you. You find it kind of alluring. Yeah, I, I'm definitely either like, I'm either out and like enjoying the sun or I want to be at home cuddled up with a book or <laughs> sure. <laughs> I'm either like a young person or a very old lady. I'm, yeah. Right, okay. <laughs> so you, you have lived elsewhere. Uh, you have some aspiration to potentially move at some point uh, to another city, but Guelph has been home. Yeah, it definitely, because of traveling with music over the last few years, feel like I've seen a lot of Canada mm-hmm. and if I was to be in Ontario this is my favorite city yeah so I've decided to stay here for kind of long term do you do a thing this this, this it actually is something that sticks with me as someone who's toured as well do you uh judge a city or grade a city by the show you played oh yeah yeah <laughs> so if, if someone was like Oh, Calgary is a beautiful city, and you're like, nah, I play the Palomino. Yeah, not a good show. No. I don't think I could live there. Is that your mentality? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like, is it that weird? The food was good at the Palomino, <laughs> sure. but otherwise, yeah, the people were kind of rude. So have you played the Palomino? I have. Yeah. <laughs> and was it a bad show? Um, it was a. I just picked that randomly, just so people understand. I just I played the Palomino. It was it was all right. But the whatever. venue was nice. They gave us like f- huge dinner. It's a barbecue upstairs. joint. Yeah, yeah. They, you can get mac and cheese and whatever yeah. ribs and all that stuff. Yeah. But the downstairs is really big. Yeah. And we were opening for someone, so luckily, like they had a big kind of <clears throat> crowd there already. But it wasn't a great show for me. Yeah, we. I'm more quiet. I was playing solo. I did like a month-long like tour out west this is so solo this so. is ran- it's so random that i just picked one yeah. city <laughs> and one video in canada and you actually have a story uh i guess my point was isn't that don't you think if you can step back and look at us isn't it weird to judge a whole city on one show you played on one night while you were traveling yeah why are, what's Definitely, wrong with yeah. that's not good for us but i'm sure other people do it they're like oh that Tim Hortons in Wawa, Ontario. <laughs> yeah, not, like, a fan. not a fan. Dirty bathrooms. I will not, not. <laughs> be living there. It's funny, like how careful you'd have to be to run a city and have people visiting yeah. and have one. I got a speeding ticket in Nelson, BC. I'm never going back there yeah, again. Isn't that drivers? Isn't that weird? <laughs> yeah. Like it's so. But I guess that's the touring life is such a blur. Blur rather that you, you again, you remember things that stick out and some of them can be negative things and then that's your just impression of it yeah that's a weird thing it's a weird sleep deprived (laughs) 
kind of mental state of a musician of just like I have a vague memory that I didn't like that place and I don't know why even yeah. though it might be a lovely place to live I find the coffee factors in too really yeah <laughs> I had one bad coffee I'm never going back <laughs> no, to that uh, city again that's weird so you could go to New York City yeah and I'm like oh the pizza I had a bad slice of pizza even though it's known as you know the pizza capital of North America yeah. you just never never go back never go back <laughs> so Guelph uh Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Has changed uh, a lot in the time I've been here, which is about 20 years. Mm -hmm. uh, you've been here your whole life. Um, what do you make of the city in its current state? Uh, you know, you're, you're someone who likes pianos. Mm -hmm. You're someone who likes older, older things. Uh, at some level that that indicates a, a relationship with time, mm -hmm. whether you enjoy change or not, I don't know. Talk about Guelph a little bit, just from your from a lifelong residence perspective. Well, I guess on the music scene, um, I've seen, definitely like the styles in Guelph have changed, I find. Um, when I first moved back from university, which was like 2010, mm-hmm. Um, I found it was a lot more kind of like folky music was oh, playing a lot of shows. And then like people moved out of town, new bands started, and now it's kind of more, for a while it was like a lot of very like dude-centric, like kind of harder bands. Yeah. And in Guelph? In Guelph, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait, and just sorry. depending on like who's promoting shows and right. stuff. Um and I don't really know what it is now, what the style is around. But, like, I've had, because I used to play more kind of folky music, yeah, yeah. I have people from out of town contacting me being like, oh, who's a good band to play with? And I'm like, I can, I actually don't really know. There's not really I'm any. in the same situation. Yeah. People ask me as well, and I'm like, I, I'm not exactly sure what to tell you or even where to play sometimes anymore. Yeah, yeah. it's changed a lot. And, oh. um we used to, like, I remember when I f was younger, I would go to shows at the Cornerstone all the time because they were doing shows, like, Friday, Saturday, Sunday nights. Yeah. Um, that was a big place for, like, people to kind of start playing music, too, and was a good... That's where I started playing music, and... Was it actually um, a musician-friendly place to play? I'm not trying to disparage the, the venue, but it's yeah. a restaurant, cafe, yeah. and uh, if you're a quieter artist, you know, there's not really a stage. You just kind of mm -hmm. set up in, in a window. 
Yeah. Depending on how they configure the thing. And you're either, in my experience, the shows were either right by the bathroom, yeah. <laughs> which is great yeah. as a musician to be playing right near four bathrooms, <laughs> uh, or you're in a little enclosed window space at the very front of the venue and, yeah. you know, you're kind of, uh, you're maybe even a sub side bar to most people's nights because they yeah. just came to order food. And I mean, is that a, uh, what's your experience been like um. playing there? Or playing such Pretty places even. different, actually. Like, I was very supported when I started playing music there. I also worked there when I was younger, ah. so I had some friendly faces. Okay. Um, and I think for, at the time when I was starting, like, if you played there, you got free dinner, and you got a few drinks. And, yeah, that's true. And he paid you. Yeah, you're, and you're that treated well. Yeah. doesn't happen anywhere else. Like, a lot of places now, you have to pay to play if you don't make enough money at yeah. the bar. Um, when you walk in, they tell you about your pre-sales. Yeah. <laughs> Still mad about that one. That's a really and, bad um, situation, yeah. And uh, I get it. It's, but anyway. Um, well, it's a business, right? Yeah, it is. But um, it, there's no point in it worrying an artist before they're about to play with yeah. anything. Yeah. And I will say, uh, and I'm not trying to judge you, no. but uh, you told your band before the show too, didn't you? Yeah. Because <laughs> I was mad. You were angry, but I do think <laughs> I'm at a point where I'm like, if I have bad news... Yeah. For people I'm working with, I try to wait till we're done something and then tell them the bad news. Unless it's like That's really true, yeah. pertinent. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Maybe uh, I'll do that next time. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to judge you. I no. just, uh, I think when you have that, because you're the manager of a business yeah. being the front of Alenegar and the Great Estate. So you have to kind of, you know, I'm sure it must be difficult keeping a band focused and happy. Uh, yeah, it's hard because everyone, everyone in my band now is going through a lot of life changes like one got married, one's having a baby, another one's getting married. And yeah, yeah. like everyone has a lot of going on in their life and then they have to normally take off work early mm-hmm. and get to where I'm asking them to go right. and generally not get paid that much money because there's a bunch of us in the band right. and we have to split it. And um, So to, if, yeah, to like get everyone in a good mood before you even get there is like <laughs> a feat and then to all have fun is, is once we start playing I find that like I did it myself um, on Friday we played at Laura Brewery I was just not having like that great of a day and then but as soon as we get on stage and start playing music together I'm like oh well this is this is why I went through all that to do this I have so much fun playing with these guys right and, so you mentioned the Cornerstone being supportive other venues uh, maybe even in the city being you know, available maybe, but not as supportive uh, on some level. I, I, I'm not, I'm, I hope I'm not putting words in your mouth. That's but you were saying the Cornerstone paid you, yeah, <laughs> uh, fed you, and treated you well, and yeah. in your early days, uh, is the. But you're, I guess you were saying you're not sure how to categorize the current state of the city in terms of music. In terms of like kind of what the type of music is that people are playing. Sure just on back on the conversation of change but also it's a bit hard to fight like there's venues are the amount of venues are smaller now especially accessible venues yeah and there's not really do you like to try and play those venues um but like for us we found that the e-bar is the best place for sound and you know the amount of room that like for the people that we hope are coming and it's still not an accessible space so it's hard to kind of like balance those things. Yeah, and you can't check. You 
can't do a sound check there, really. Yeah, that's really tough. It's really because they're, they're sorry. Things. They have a restaurant down below, and you have to wait till like nine or ten o'clock, basically, to, yeah, to yeah. make noise. It's kind of not an ideal situation. And we've talked. To, I've talked about this a bunch on this show before, but I think other cities can probably relate to this mm-hmm. notion. Um, and a lot of people, I've been having people write on our Facebook, like, oh, I'd love to come to this, but it's too late. The, the issue, um, the, the fundamental issue, have you seen this? There's a lot of dialogue now about how one way to salvage the music business, or at least the live music business, which I think has taken a bit of a hit, yeah. uh, is to start shows earlier. Mm-hmm. Have you been seeing this stuff? I have, and I am fully on board. It's just that it's like you have as many musicians on board, but it's the venues that... It's, the it's dictating when we are allowed to play. So yeah, it's frustrating that because uh, you'd have to change a whole mindset mm-hmm. of people showing up at nine to see a show, um, as opposed to ten or eleven. You know, I, yeah. if there's a show at the E Bar, I sometimes don't leave my house till eleven fifteen because yeah. I know very little has probably happened until then because the the start date for a show, or start time for a show is advertised and then a lot of promoters wait for people to show up. Yeah. So nothing, whereas, a, you know, a, a venue, in, like when I go to, certainly theater shows start on time, but like Lee's Palace in Toronto will say such and such 9.15, such and such 10.15 and pretty much like clockwork it'll happen. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they're getting their bar sales and all that stuff. It seems, I'm not, uh, by the way, I'm sure Lee's Palace, there's probably someone who has a problem with Lee's Palace. I'm just picking them <laughs> yeah. because I know when I go to their website and it says when people are playing, it's going to be pretty accurate unless there's some issue. Yeah. And we don't have that here. It's just sort of randomly waiting on people. It's a smaller market, so you don't have the masses coming, but yeah. it, it can be frustrating. Yeah. And there's also generally another show going on, so you're like In hoping Guelph? that yeah. people will go to one, maybe come to the other. Yeah. <laughs> it's complicated. Yeah. Yeah. You said something earlier about um, there being kind of a dude-centric uh, agro music thing <laughs> at one point. Um, as a woman, uh, have you found it difficult to navigate the music infrastructure in, in our city in particular? I, I know that a lot of people have problems. Uh, a lot of women have expressed frustration and concern around the country, around the world, yeah, about um, how they're treated and uh, whether or not there's actually a quality. But what about Guelph? I am very lucky with the people that I play with. Like, everyone in my band is a man. Um, I've never felt, like, kind of looked down on at my skill level with them. They've always been really... The people in your bands. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Pretty amazing guys um, to play with. And they're all very talented, so, like, I feel lucky. Um, But with booking shows and, like, kind of being considered for shows, I've felt really sometimes, like, there's an imbalance there for sure. Like, sometimes I might not even be considered for something. or But I don't know. Like, that could also be just my style of music. Or, um, yeah, I definitely have been frustrated, though, with, like, um, I don't know. All every promoter in Guelph kind of is mostly are uh, men a dude, and, yeah. And yeah, I don't. I don't want. Yeah. I appreciate <laughs> you wanting to be diplomatic about this. Yeah, and I don't want to put you on the spot. It's just something that I'm trying to address as much as possible uh, on the show, uh, because uh, I f- 
I just feel like the, the, these are voices that need to be, or a voice like yours need to be heard on these issues, right? And I think yeah. that there uh, there has been a bit of incremental progress made by people just articulating these experiences, but yeah. I know it's a small town, and I'm yeah. not asking you to name names or anything. I just want a general, I was just hoping rather yeah. for a general sense of how you feel. I mean, you mentioned playing this show where the promoter, and I don't know if it was a man or a woman, but they just made a point of telling you about your pre-sales. And uh, that's, I mean, on some level, that's a business thing. On some level, did you think, would they have said that to a a guy? Like, would they have said that to a male performer? Like, why yeah. would they have said this to me? Like, I definitely you, thought that when it happened because yeah. I know. But also, yeah, I am being diplomatic. It's like an issue that really makes me angry. Um, and I've had a lot of experiences. I'm just in also town? live in a small town. Yeah, yeah. In, in this town you've had. Yeah. Right. I definitely felt a difference when I did change the style of music I was playing, like, between different bands. Um, but, like, I've had someone say, oh, we want you to play this, but we want you to play, we don't want you to play with your band. We want you to play solo, but with an accompaniment. And I was like, so you want me to play with a different band? What, what your like, own, someone <laughs> someone was trying to produce your set? Yeah, and then I wanted, I, it was a good show, I yeah. wanted to play it. So I was like, okay, I'll do it. I'll play solo, but with accompaniment. So I got instead a good friend of mine to like sing harmonies and he made it kind of a different set. And then um, like the day before I got asked, so who's your band that's playing with you? And I said, oh, I thought my band wasn't allowed to play. I was supposed to have accompaniment. And they're <laughs> like, well, the words were like, to be honest, my dear, I to be honest, my dear. To be honest, my dear, Jesus. you're pretty quiet, and we just want to make sure you can hold the room. And that just like broke my heart. <laughs> That's just, and I was like, the other person I was playing with was a single white guy with a guitar, acoustic guitar. And I really, my first thought was, was this said to him too? Yeah. Like, was that ever thought? Can that guy hold the room? Yeah. Like, right made me really mad. Well, I'm sorry. I don't mean to upset you here. <laughs> no, I, it's I, okay, but it's, you're right. You should, it's a part of like playing too. So, so. you, did you, did you just uh, roll with that? Like, did you end up playing the show with The Greatest State or did you end up just playing with a, a accompaniment, as I you call it? I played with accompaniment, yeah, because I wanted to play the show, so. And how was the show? It was pretty crappy because I was in a bad mood. <laughs> yeah, because you were, okay. But That's, anyway, yeah. My dear. <laughs> That's the most. Co- I don't anymore. even. Were they like a ninety-year-old guy or <laughs> yeah. something, like a promoter? That's insane. This is at the library. No. <laughs> Do you have any insight as to how stuff like that could be? I mean, other than people just not being jerks, man or woman, like, mm-hmm. do you have a sense of what you'd like to see happen to alter this kind of behavior or make uh, the environment more pleasant? to to play with as 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 a performer as a as a woman, uh, do you have any insights there? I mean, um, well, I've definitely seen from just from my own experiences with music and with just in the workplace. Like if if there's something said like that, it's often a lot easier. If I was to get angry about that, I don't think that person would see that what they said was wrong. Whereas if like the guy beside them said 
I mean, this is they're not listening to a woman's voice would be heard a lot easier. So it's like to have allies in that music area as well that would be like, oh, that's probably kind of a crappy thing to say. And um, but also, I I think it would be really cool to see some more ladies like being able to have the space to be a promoter in town and um, and stuff like that. That doesn't interest you, does it? The, I've the, the done it a bit. Like, um, Royal City Brewery has been pretty great. They were letting me do a music series once a month. Oh, okay. It was just like one show oh, that once was you? a month. Yeah. Okay, I saw that series, I believe. Yeah, yeah so we did it for a year. Took a little break because it's like kind of hard over the summer mm-hmm. and whatnot. And it was fun, but yeah. Um, Not your thing necessarily or like I'm, I'm when you're an artist you're uh, I, I've done the same as you I think or I've tried to immerse myself in different aspects of the music biz yeah. <laughs> just to try them and also because like you I've seen at least when I was not a dad with two kids and multiple jobs when I had the time I felt like something feels like it's lacking here maybe I can add to this maybe I can actually fix a couple of things yeah it was that kind of your impulse? Like, I'm not... The, yeah. Some of the promotion seems very, I don't know, not that exciting and not very inclusive. Maybe I can help. Yeah, that was a big part of wanting to do it. And with my friend Sonia, who also works at Royal City Brewery, we wanted to kind of make, like, a, a silent mandate that we wanted to have at least one woman on every bill. Yeah, yeah. Um, and maybe invite some people that otherwise have hard times getting shows in golf because they don't really fit in with what Kazoo's doing or Fortnite or... Like, not that it's a bad thing. We all have our kind of different themes. Sure. But, um, just create that space. Um, and it was fun. I just... Uh, we didn't have, like, that much f- funds. And I really wanted to be... If we're able... If we're putting on shows, I want to make sure that I'm able to, like, pay the bands. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So... Um, we just took a bit of a break to kind of like reevaluate okay. if we can have some funds to do that right. and whatnot, because that would be pretty great. It's so such a nice feeling to be able to pay musicians, knowing how much that means to a musician. Absolutely, yeah. So because it's an undervalued art form, yeah. in almost every other way, yeah. You did say something about. Um, I guess you were making a reference to, uh, I guess, allyship. This notion of a guy may not listen to you as a woman, but if another guy points out the same thing that you're pointing out as being maybe problematic or a pro- or an issue, they might be more attentive. Yeah. Um, so do you, by that token, I mean, obviously that's not the end. I think the end game would be to have more women in positions of power. Yes. Um, yeah. But do you... Do you think that men who recognize these things need to be doing more? Like recognize recognizing these issues because they do have the power on some level now because they're men, often they're white men. Yeah. Would it be useful if they spoke up more and did more to try to alleviate these issues? I think it's so hard. Like it's such a big discussion because that's also then not leaving space for the people whose voices. Right, of course that should be there but I just think that in the reality and I've seen it happen in my own life where it's like someone's talked to me a certain way and I've voiced oh that makes me uncomfortable and it doesn't change and then my friend at work who's 
a dude says, hey, man, that wasn't really cool. And then that guy comes and apologizes to me yeah. or something. Like, it just it is the way that it works right now at some point. So there could be little things like that where if you're sitting beside someone and they're telling, like, a sexist joke, you could be like, ah, it's not really funny. Like, Yeah, totally. You know, those little things will make that person embarrassed and maybe not maybe think twice about saying it next time. Yeah, I'm, I can say for myself, uh, not necessarily in this regard, I, I hope anyway, but I, I do, I'm trying to catch myself more when I feel like I'm in any capacity, in, in any context. Like I, maybe it's a, a product of the age we live in where we have to, I, I want to be more self-aware, more enlightened about whatever issue. And I'm trying to, if someone says something like, hey, <laughs> I'm like, you know what? Like I, my, my 15 years ago, I would have been like, yeah, whatever. You don't know what you're talking about. But I, yeah. as you get, maybe I'm just old, but I'm starting to soften and trying to be more attentive to these kinds of concerns. And, and when people point out aspects of your personality, because what you're doing in some cases is being like, you're being a jerk by telling that joke. And what I'm actually saying is that joke is an extension of you and your personality. Yeah. That's a hard thing for someone to take in the moment. So when someone else says, hey, <laughs> just so you know, like yeah. what, during I saw that interaction and you are being terrible. Maybe it just takes a couple of people yeah. you know, sometimes to say these things. I'm not making apologies for the, no. the <laughs> jerks, yeah. but I do think sometimes when you, we tend to argue with each other a little bit one-on-one, but if some other perspectives come into play, uh, which I think is happening a lot yeah. more in a healthy way, like people are, could be curating a festival or and being t- when someone when uh someone says hey you don't have enough underrepresented people they their knee-jerk reaction to be like well it's really hard and i'm doing my best yeah but then if a plurality of voices come into the fore they're like okay maybe there's a point to this you know what i mean yeah. so that's one of that was a roundabout way of saying i, I wanted to hear your voice on i know it's uncomfortable and it's not the point <laughs> of this interview yeah. where we're talking about your new ep <laughs> But I do think that um, I wonder about what's going on in the city because the more I talk to, I like to think of it as a beautiful, lovely, inclusive, community-oriented music scene. But the more I talk to women about their experiences uh, here, the more troubled I am. And as someone like yourself who's been here the whole time, uh, been in the city the whole time, and and like you say, you've played in different different kinds of bands, I just thought your perspective would be um, useful. Yeah. So that's why I wanted to ask. <laughs> yeah. I'm not trying to stir anything up. No, well, no, I, I, I am. I want this. Yeah. We need to stir things up yeah. a little bit because it's. I, I think we get complacent thinking everything's great, but uh, it's not always, is it? No. <laughs> <laughs> You've got this new EP. Yes. It's lovely. Everything about that is great. The EP yeah. is great. It just came out. Not I'm too, happy with it. Oh, it's on uh, Miss Connection Records, which is a local is. local imprint. Yeah. And what are your plans here? What are you going to do with this thing? You going to tour? Um, no, I've kind of, I'm taking a different route this time. All the other ones we've, I've toured and kind of given it my all. I think this was a bit more of like an expression of just wanting to like record these songs because we've been playing them for a few years. I really like them and I'm playing with a group of people that I find really make them sound the way that I hear them in my head. Yeah. And, um, so it was more of like just getting it down on to... Tape. Tape. <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> CD. Yeah. Um, and then playing like three nice shows kind of around with our friends and family. So um, 
doing Toronto. I, re- I didn't mean to, but I realized I booked them all at breweries. But it's not a. I didn't mean to make Uh-oh. it like a brewery. Do I do. Okay. <laughs> do I like beer? Yes. I'm not trying to make light no. of anything, but you don't have a you don't have a problem, I do you? Don't have no, a problem, you just no. you work at a brewery part time. Yeah. Breweries are comfortable environments. Yeah, and they're kind of like a new a new space too. To Seems like shows. a lot of breweries are getting involved in this notion of yeah. being a, presenting music and and being a music venue in some ways. Yeah. So yeah. it's. And I saw we're doing Burdock Brewery in Toronto, and we're doing, well, the one in Guelph is at the E-Bar, but Royal City is going to, like, sponsor it. Right, right. Yeah. Okay, okay. So you're going to, you got your piano tuning job. Everyone's busy. You co-produced this record with my friend Tom Hammerton. Yeah. What was that like? That was pretty awesome. Tom is a really great person to work with, and I, he plays so many different types of keys, and he can just really hear different sounds that I maybe wouldn't think of putting in. Yeah. I loved working with him and with um, with Andy because I I'm very picky with the vocals. That's like my kind of main part on it. And I find as soon as I sing something, and whether I thought it was good or bad, both of them thought the same thing. Like we're very oh, on you were on the same page. So it's nice. Okay, good. Yeah. So this is a potentially a, a collaborative unit that might work together again. Yeah. Because it worked so well. No. Oh, okay. Plus, you got to. Maybe you and Andy need to... I mean, you're in competition now. <laughs> yeah, I got to talk to him. So the piano tuning field is heating up. I saw it on Facebook, so... <laughs> <laughs> he didn't even tell you. <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, is there a song we can go out from the new EP? I would love that. Um, I like True For You. It's like a slower one, but one of my favorites. Um, or Fire and Bones is fun. Too. Fire and Bones? Yeah. Okay, why did that come to mind? It's more like the upbeaty one. Oh you're, you're, you're kind of flinching and <laughs> trying to make it more upbeat with your physical being right now. Your shoulders are shrugging. You're like, it's more upbeat. Yeah. Fire and bones. I mean, that's a very, it's like a Game of Thrones kind mm-hmm. of image, isn't it? Is that an inspiration? Is it? No. <laughs> Fire and bones. That's, you know, that's, that's okay. Yeah. I'm, maybe we'll just listen to it and okay. then people can make what they will of it. Well, okay. this is uh, Fire and Bones. Uh, Alana Gur, thank you for being back on the show. Yeah, thanks. And I'm sorry I said you were in a different band. It's okay. It and happens. Th- I don't know why. It's a good band, that. so. Yeah, well, that's yeah. a good band and Cupcake Duct Tape's a great band and <laughs> I wish you the best of luck with, uh, this, with the greatest state. Thank you.
Stand Still. That was Alana Gurr and The Greatest State with a song called Fire and Bones. Thanks again to Alana for being on this show, stopping by CFRU for a conversation about her life and work. Piano tuning. More interesting to me than I thought it would be. Hopefully for you too. Did you know much about piano tuning? I didn't know much about piano tuning. Fascinating. Fascinating. Alana Gurr, thank you so much for being on the show. This is the 326th episode of Creative Control, which is a podcast available on all your finer podcast platforms. iTunes, Audioboom, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Overcast, and probably others as well. You can learn more about the show and every single episode of the program at my website, vishkana.com. Also, visit patreon.com slash Control to make a flexible monthly donation to the program and view t-shirts that I have uh, as gifts for people who make pledges. Please consider doing that. You can like the show on Facebook. We have a page. You can follow us on Twitter at Vish Creative. You can follow me on Twitter at Vish Khanna. And a version of this show airs every Wednesday at noon Eastern Standard Time uh, around the world at CFRU.ca or if you're in the area at CFRU 93.3 FM in Guelph. This episode would not be possible without our sponsors, the finest pizzeria in Guelph, Pizza Trocadero. Call them for pickup or delivery at 519-829-2444 or check them out at trocaderoguelph.ca. Also, the Bookshelf, an independently owned bookstore, bar, music venue, movie theater, and more located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph. Learn more about them at bookshelf.ca. And for the finest coffee anywhere, try Planet Bean, freshly roasted, fair trade certified organic coffee. Visit planetbeancoffee.com for more information about them. All right, that's another episode of this program. Please uh, subscribe to the show wherever you listen to the show. Subscribe to it. Download episodes. uh, Tell your friends about it. Review it. Rate it. All those things. It all helps. And otherwise, just if you don't want to do that, just listen. It's enough for me, really. Whatever you got to do. 
All right, thank you so much. I will talk to you soon. Goodbye for now. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.